dear listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Between Players. Tonight we're doing a review of Larian Studios' uh, multi-headed monster, Divinity 2. My name is Zach Meyer. I'm Rob. And he's our... He's my uh, co- co-host, guest, and also uh, uh, the guy I played the game through with. We are related to. That is important. <laughs> it's a good, I mean, it's it's a good detail. It's a good detail. Well, now you know. Knowing's yeah. half the battle. Um. So yeah. Uh. Before we get too far into the review, we want to make sure that like, if you've not played the game and you're listening to our review for the first time, uh, just know that we are going to essentially spoil uh tons of story stuff because the story uh has a lot of elements in it that to us affect the score very directly. Um. There's some plot elements that are focused into the um mechanics of the game that we go over. So if you don't want to hear that, um. Just don't go past our little TLDR here that's about to happen. Um, just so, you know, we played through the game. It's essentially a uh, isometric view, three-dimensional, uh, turn-based, tactical strategy role-playing game. Is that is that pretty good, Rob? Yeah, it has a heavy D&D influence in terms of um, tone, story, adventure. Um, but yeah, I'd say that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it borrows heavily from the D&D um, uh, cast of like character or excuse me, races and abilities and things like that. And obviously, they're, the studio is famous because they're about they've just just released Baldur's Gate 3 at the time of this recording. It's been like what? Uh, or is it about to come out? I, th- I th- want to say it was released. Yeah, that's what I think. But I have this like every time I think something's out, I'm like, oh, they're just like it's just getting a bunch of pre-press or whatever. So uh, initial release date October 6, twenty twenty. We are in the clear. <laughs> oh, we're in the clear. It's been uh, yeah. So here we are in twenty twenty one. We're uh, <laughs> we missed the initial release, obviously. Um, but yeah, so they're obviously their influences they wear very clearly on their sleeves, and because of that, you know the the folks who have the D and D license right now for digital give them the the reins for the next Baldur's Gate. So if you liked things like Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, etc., this is definitely a game for you. Uh, just to give you our rating scale, it's going to be between uh, buy, try, or skip. Um, and for me personally, I would put it at a solid try. Um, where would you land it? Um, I would also put it at a try, but um, I'm, I'm definitely buy-leaning by leaning okay so um and just to give you some like preferential things i tend to play more action oriented games so uh first person shooters are single player action games so isometric adventures i play them sometimes but i'm not like i'm not like i wouldn't say i'm a uh what would you call it like a sommelier for um a tactical <laughs> yeah the connoisseur of tactical role-playing games um i think you have a lot more of a uh, experience with those types of titles and structures and you tend to be um, I think you like them for their like for learning the mechanics and then finding ways to essentially <laughs> break those horribly well I mean my goal is is to try and um, wiggle an exploit out of pretty much any game that I'm playing there's usually at least one I can worm my way into but yeah I, I try and uh, diversify quite a bit. So, I, you know, I've played some that are kind of in a similar vein. I would say stuff like the Dragon Age series um, definitely either is in, influenced by or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently, I went through uh, the Pillars of Eternity, which has a lot of similar mechanics, themes, tactics to it. Um, but yeah, I you know, a lot of my main main jams are um, either first-person action or action platformer roguelikes, uh, but you know you can't uh, you can't eat bread every day. You got to switch it up here and there. Keep things. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of some of those mechanical features, one of the things that the game really touts, um, or what? Well, first I'll say one of the reasons we selected the game initially is because we were looking for co-op games, and 
most co-op games I've found or we've found so far have been very shooty oriented. So if you've got some good co-op suggestions that are less shooty or have some variation thereof, feel free to drop us a comment or email us or hit us up on Twitter um, because we're always looking for new stuff to try out. Um, But yeah, that was kind of like why we selected it. And I think for me, I think it's, I think it does it very well. Like it, it like also boasts like this very flexible thing of you can like respec your character and kind of like make any character you want. So you can have like a hybrid class of stuff. Um, but my, from my experience playing the game, it seems like, yeah, you can do that, but the game really wants you to like fall into some certain buckets. Yes. Uh, they give you a, a lot of license. Um, in your character creation and progression. Um, you have infinite reroll for your entire character's stack all the way up and down the ladder uh, in terms of skills and perks. Obviously, you have to buy equipment uh, if you want to completely reclass. Um, but the game, in the, uh, on the other side of that coin, is that you're given plenty of rope to hang yourself with. If you try and multi-class into everything, you end up being just a worthless character in combat. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's probably going to be a good am- amount of salt and uh, don't let that necessarily flavor your take of the game. Um, it, there are a lot, there's a lot of emphasis on tactics and using the environment around you against your opponents. And I think that uh, there's people out there who are not us who leaned heavily into the tactics mechanic and were able to get, a, uh, get away with um, slightly more creative builds, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, rather than focus builds. But even at that, I would say there's definitely combat scenarios where if you don't have a strong team or you don't have a strong build, no amount of tactics is really going to necessarily save you. So mm-hmm. take take that for what you will. Yeah, there's definitely some... Uh, there's a lot of aspects in the game that really rely on you having kind of a a good mixture of what I will call AOE control characters and then just direct damage characters. And, uh, and then maybe a third class I would call sort of like the nimble striker. So that could be somebody like a ranger or a thief um, who can like reposition quickly and uh, do, do like really good, like uh, I don't know, kind of like sniper type role or, you know, strike in a way that like cripples, cripples combatants um so yeah i think in terms of like what works in the game i feel like a lot of those things work pretty well and i think you're you're right on about the rope to hang yourself i I feel like to some degree i kind of did that with mine if i had it to do over again i would probably have just stuck with whatever the base class was for um fane uh he's the undead skeletal mage that you pick up and I thought I was going to be a real genius and do like a, a mage thief overlap. And um, I just didn't really like style him. I leaned heavy into necromancy at the end and um, uh, some of the hydrophist skills, which turned out okay. But I found myself uh, very much on the back foot frequently. I feel like the RNG kind of targets magic users really early, um, even though like... I don't know. I felt like the enemies could have easily dealt with any of us. Like we were all a a threat, but for some reason it seems like uh, magic users got focused first. Yeah. I don't know if it was specifically because you were a magic user or because you were an undead because you were also the only undead in the group. Oh, that's true. The, the game says that as long as you're wearing a mask that you're not supposed to be targeted. Mm -hmm. Um, But the game says a lot of things about its mechanics that don't always necessarily seem to be true. So, <laughs> yeah. And then it doesn't say some things about, well, maybe it said some things in passing, but they didn't like do a good job of teaching them to you. Yeah. I think that, um, the, the lack of clarity and I'm not, uh, I'm not an advocate for babying players through a game necessarily, but I feel like this is a case where there wasn't enough enough information given to really feel like you had a good grasp on on the game, and that bled down from um, the basic mechanics of the game, 
which we kind of had to figure out as we went to the way their storytelling works. Um, you know, you, even in a D&D esque scenario, you're usually given some pretty explicit breadcrumbs in your story driving. And I remember several missions that were just like, figure out how to open this door. Period. Mm. You're like, oh, cool. So I'm just going to wander the earth for the next 20 hours and maybe I'll figure out how to open this door one day. Yeah, it can be a, a pretty terse. And uh, I mean, on the subject of the story, like I think the the story itself is actually not a bad one. There's this, um, you're uh, essentially like all of the characters are potentially going to be our potential God woken, which in the game is this sort of like, um, uh, you know, you're the sort of like chosen one who's going to inherit this ability that's kind of supernatural and sort of restore uh, uh, balance to the power struggle between these uh, different gods that rule over uh, the planet. And there's like some other things happening. Like there's like several factions who are kind of warring for control over magic use and several other things because the energy that allows you to use magic and other superhuman abilities they call source, which is derived from, I want to say human souls, if I'm not making a mistake there. Yeah, that I think that rings pretty true. I'm going to be honest, it all kind of turned into a muddle there at the end. So, Yeah, that line feels like it gets crossed or cross blurred. Yes, smudged. It's a smudged line. It's more like, you know, a charcoal drawing. Yeah, it's it's like a life essence, not necessarily people per se, but people are really good batteries. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, yeah, that's that's about as close as I got to it. So it has this like funny feeling because like by the end, like at first they're kind of like, oh yeah, just like you'll see like sometimes you'll come upon a room and there'll be this like pool of green glow stuff and that's source. And you touch it like, oh, I've got more source points. And then later you find out you can. Uh, absorb souls that are stuck in between and use those as source. So you kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> like they definitely set up this like thing of you kind of being gray already by the like, I don't know, somewhere through the halfway point of the first island. Um, but it's not like, I think that muddling of what source is and how it's derived and how you use it is is like much more is it becomes much more like um blurred as the game goes on so i think you're pretty oh and also using it and its existence attracts the baddies the void woken Mm -hmm. yeah is strange (laughs) that's the uh the crux of the opening conflict is that they're Um, trying to pacify anyone who can use source because source draws the monsters and we don't like the monsters. Monsters are bad. I mean, monsters are bad, right? Eh, Like there's some good monsters out there. Not a monster hater. Monsters are innocent until proven guilty. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's very, uh, very diplomatic of you. Um, So in terms of like what worked for me, like the stuff that really works for me is all the dun like the D and D stuff really worked for me. Uh, so like I thought the dungeons were really well designed, the towns are well designed. Um, I kind of like the takes on some of the different uh, uh, races. Like the elves are kind of like more pronounced like hippies, but they're assholes. Um, yeah, and the i don't know like it was like kind of the first time i'd like seen dwarves act in such a um not they're not he wasn't really like braggadocious but there just seemed to be more variety in how the dwarves are like depicted um but the real the real like kicker interesting kicker for me was probably the the mate the magisters they're the ones that like are trying to like tamp down source users mm-hmm. and um but they kind of ride the line between being um, I don't know. I mean, like, obviously they're having to use magic themselves to do that. So they're in this like weird position of being like bad palad, bad paladins. I don't know. I don't know what the right descriptor is there for that. And they have a state monopoly on the use of source only for, you know, positive reasons. They would never harm innocence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> 
nothing, nothing to see there. Um, um, yeah, I thought the world building was really good. Um, I think they did a good job of uh, creating a lot of like personal variety in the characters from each race. So they're they're I mm-hmm. guess less uniformly stereotypical than you would see in other fantasy genres. Not all of the dwarves are loudmouth drunks who run around punching things or axing things to death. Um, not all the elves are just like ancient elitists that are either removed or um, detached from the rest of the planet. Uh, everybody kind of has their own stripes, uh, which definitely was refreshing. So points there. Good, good, good work team. Way to good learn work team. things. Um, let's see what else works good. Uh, I think the, like in general, I thought the like action point system in combat made sense. Um, having like having point allocation for movement and um, <clears throat> spell casting and all that stuff is pretty good. Like the budget, how you budget your movement in in combat made a lot of sense. Um, and I think to your point earlier, like it does a good job of not ba- babying the player, like um, having to like really gear up for a lot of ser- situations and work you have to work pretty hard. I feel like to like stay at level to keep pushing the story forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like you really, it really encourages you to kind of like explore everything and really dig into each, each place. Like, I feel like you become like a, there's that like shadow, um, obsidian design thing of like, Oh, once you've killed all the things in the area, steal all the plates so you can sell sell them back to the vendors so that you can pay for the thing that you want. Yeah. There's uh, the whole game I feel like is kind of keeping you. And again, this is us playing it on, uh, on the original difficulty. And we were also playing the definitive edition. So we're, we're playing it on, I think the only one up is tactician from that. Right. Isn't that what we, I think so. So we're playing it on whatever, the whatever that means standard. to them. Yeah, yeah, which was extremely difficult. Um, it took us well over a hundred hours to get through the game. I have 150 hours logged on it. Um, some of that was independent experimenting, but the vast majority was was us playing. Um, mm-hmm. It you really have to squeeze everything you can. Um, out of the game to try and keep ahead. There's a limited amount of experience. Um, obviously, there's enough experience in each map for you to achieve or surpass your recommended level for each of your missions, um, but that requires you finding and completing um, as many quests as you possibly can, which I'm sure we missed. I, I don't even know how many. I haven't looked at the list. Yeah. Um, and resources is the same way. You're always... Uh, scrambling for newer, better gear. Uh, you don't typically have a lot of money to throw around, so you stare at the shiny objects in the vendor's inventory for a lot of the game, wishing that you could scrounge up a, a couple thousand gold until you learned how to farm, and then gold no longer matters. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we did we did uh, find a, an interesting... Well, you found a, an interesting technique for producing enough... Um, was it tea? Uh, no, it wasn't tea plants. I found, oh God, it starts with an A. I found a plant, a higher value plant. It was worth like, I don't know, 200 gold a pop or something. Um, and would just farm that whenever we were sitting around. And then in the hub. Yeah, you could drop a stack of, it started with like an AG, I want to say. But um, yeah, it was. It, it was worth a good chunk of change. So I, I essentially alleviated our cash flow issues uh, through the yeah. magic of farming. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We sort of seized the means of production there. Uh, and we're, yeah, so that like allowed us to bankroll some of the like, I would say like mid to later parts of the game where things become more and more like not only more difficult, but gear starts to play heavily into your uh, ability set. Um, so that stuff, I think all that stuff works. The variety of the characters is really interesting. I thought the writing was pretty good for the most part. The voice acting was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think, 
like there wasn't very many moments in the game that really took me out of like mm, like the like you were saying before i think like the the world part of it was just very cohesive um but uh kind of talking about the difficulty thing and sort of like changing gears a little bit that was definitely a thing that uh kind of didn't work for me <laughs> uh-huh. um they rely heavily on this like they rely heavily on gatekeeping you from areas based on your experience level. So like much like in like Witcher three or some of these uh, other RPGs, when you go to an area, there's going to be higher level than your lower level. There'll be higher level monsters and guys, and they'll just decimate you. Like it, it, like it won't even be close. Um, And that can be pretty discouraging because basically what that ends up, what ends up or what happened to us is that we would like, wander around, go to an area and be like, is this where we're supposed to go? Hey, there's a fight 20 minutes into the fight. Oh, we're just going to lose here because they're going to crush us. Okay. That's done. Kind of like, you know, roll back to our last save, go to another area. Oh, Hey, there's some guys here. Here's a fight. Uh, we were really close. Uh, maybe we're still under leveled. And then, you know, eventually like Goldilocks, you find the fight that is quote unquote, just right. And you're able to like barely succeed then you know oh this is the right place for us to go yeah and i think that goes back to what i thought was a lack of narrative in the game where you know and again i I don't i'm not one to uh i don't want to necessarily be pulled around by the nose um but there's certainly a line like we spent untold hours ping pong or pinballing around um, the map, trying to find out where we're supposed to go to scrounge up some um, some missions to place more activities, and it takes thirty or forty five minutes a shot to find out that you've been wandering in the wrong direction. So you do that a handful of times, it it just really starts to uh, become aggravating. Mm-hmm. And we should probably. Uh, go ahead and pour one out for the RNG on when you're set to original. Um, like again, like if somebody at Larian would explain to me exactly how this works, I'd maybe feel less beat up about it, (laughs) but it did seem like in basically starting around Island three, I want to say the third, like around the third stage of the game, the difficulty starts to really ramp up and, there are fights that we went through where I literally felt like the RNG was taking more turns and actions than we could take. And like per like each enemy would take like two or three more actions. The NPCs. Yeah. And it was enough to where like, it would just absolutely cripple you. Like, and then there'd be some games we'd reroll and it would only take like one extra turn. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like it'd only take one extra move or something. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm fine. Like my my big bone to pick with this is that I'm fine if the game is difficult. Like I'm mm-hmm. fine with hard games. What I'm not fine with is a slanted deck. Like if yeah. you want to make the game hard, there's lots of ways you can make the game hard that don't involve like stacking the deck behind the curtain. It, it just is really infuriating and it wouldn't have seemed like, I don't think that we would have really realized how badly the RNG was s- stacked against us mm-hmm. until we cranked the difficulty down to finish the game out and the entire behavior of the combat NPCs just got turned on its head. They, they weren't taking like three move actions and four attack actions which is absurd mm-hmm. um, their hit miss ratio was normal our hit miss ratio became much more favorable um, the status effects were uh, less horrendous um, their tactics overall were not as griefy i want to say uh, not that they yeah, were necessarily they didn't stupid, like eat but, up your inventory and shit like that or just like constant charm or constant mm, terror oh, yeah. or any of those mechanics which that, it yeah 
they feel pretty he- those those two in particular do feel like really heavy handed towards the end of the game like super crazy so one so one mechanic that uh that we're talking about that's that's significant is that there's essentially like that you have like three health bars basically you have a magic magic defense and a physical defense and then you have your health and based on the type of character class you are your magic and your physical resistance are going to be you know one side of the seesaw you might have more magic if you're a mage and less physical and vice versa for uh soldiers and things like that or knights um and so when you whenever an enemy breaks past your magic defense barrier you become very susceptible to any status effect and specifically this one charm is really hard to remove and we didn't really have like a a strong healer or support in our setup we kind of went i don't know if that's really our fault or not but like the, the game really like kind of like i don't know i feel like it favors aggressive play in a lot of ways and I didn't think we were glass cannons, but they were just like, yeah, um, I, some... I don't know. It, there, there's definitely some. I think there's some element of tactics that we never really got down. Like yeah. a lot of your strategy is one: uh, you want to have crowd control. Um, you want to have some. Um, status effect, at least status effect support defensively, if not offensively. And then you just need some like heavy hitters and preferably, you know, some, someone doing uh, cleanup. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, archer knight combo is great focus DPS and great cleanup. Um, You can squeeze a little bit of tactics out of, uh, out of them, but they're really just there to, to one two punch people um and then you're like uh your thief class your magic users um are are there to kind of do your your status effect um environmental control and crowd control but they tend to like it most of your dps for your your melee guys are going to be melee so if you have one wizard that's doing uh, elemental damage primarily, their DPS is not going to come in terribly handy most of the time because it doesn't favor the other three elements of your team, um, at least in our mm-hmm. case. So that character becomes a lot more support, uh, but there's yeah. not... We still had a hard time getting around some of the uh, some of the actual, like I don't know what you'd call them, things like uh terror um and mm, charm yeah. which i think you have to use the pyrokinetics class to clear yeah and, so if you don't yeah. have at least one person trained in that discipline you essentially become you either have to have the scrolls to counter or and you have to know that those effects are coming too so that's the other thing is that like every group of enemies is typically comped a little bit different also based on the area and towards the middle third, I'll say the last third of the game, it became much more like charm and terror oriented. So if you haven't built up somebody with those, uh, with those abilities, you are kind of stuck in a heart between a rock and a hard place. It, it would even be difficult to keep up with them in certain fights where you have multiple opponents all casting it on their turn yeah. on your entire team. Like, uh, I, I don't know what you can do for that, except for try and keep your magic armor up to resist it when it's being cast. But when they take three to four <laughs> actions each, they can typically drain your magic armor and then cast it on you in one shot. Yeah. So you're just kind of hosed. Yeah. And then that, and then the, the really bad part about like cha- uh, charm is that it allows the, uh the cpu to take over like the ai will take over that character so your party member all of his abilities and items become its and it will it'll do you dirty (laughs) it'll do you dirty quick (laughs) it has no bones about whooping your ass um so yeah I, i think like the two thing to me the two things i would do to fix this problem would be one 
maybe reduce uh, defense to a single bar and have like elemental defense leanings. So like based on a character class or type, you could have like, oh, resist like fire spells or resist blah, blah, blah. Like not compl- not impervious to, but like they're going to take a mass, they get a massive buff to their defense. If you like hit them with fire, but they're fire resistant, then, you know, something like that. Um, I think that would help to like reduce some of that nonsense. Um, the other thing that comes to mind uh, that I would change would be like, and maybe this is just like a general thing is that like in most RPGs that I've played, as you get towards the end of the game, it's not necessarily that fights become easier, but you are just much more powerful. And so when you fight, it doesn't feel like you're toe to toe the whole time. Like you definitely feel like you have a bit of an advantage because you've been gaining experience the whole time. And in this game, that sensation never arrived for me. Like I always felt like we were teetering. Yeah, um, I, I'd say that's that's a pretty uh, pretty solid estimation. Yeah, it, it was very strange, and that's why it was kind of difficult to tell where in the story we were, because um, I'm also used to that progression where you you know you start out getting whipped constantly, but by the end of the game, you're at least chewing them up and spitting them out if not just like completely overpowered um but it yeah. seemed like we never really got to a point where we were yeah where we were able to just handily mop the floor with any of the encounters even mm-hmm. like very run-of-the-mill stuff not even the, the like boss or uh what what would ostensibly be like the more challenging um, encounter scenarios, just like run of the mill, running into some bandits on the road or whatever. They just, they'll mop the floor with you. Yeah. And even the, the other thing that I would have liked to have like added slash changed maybe would be the, um, like give, give you some more experience and how to like use and reverse the uh, elemental stuff on the floor. So this one thing that the game likes to brag about is you can do all these like wild combos with magic. So you could like, you know, if you make it rain and then hit that rain with uh, uh, the words escaping me, an electricity attack, it'll like electrify the floor and then it'll zap everything that's inside of it. And so like, this is an interesting idea, but the problem with it most of the time was that we would have our, our characters would be standing in, the, in that same area. So it was hard to like coordinate getting, getting enemies in to those AOE spots. And then later on, there's this idea of the, uh, or the, not later on, but there's this element that shows up quite frequently called uh, necrofire, which I hate. Yeah, curse and, fire. Yeah. Huh? Yep. Curse fire. Yeah. Yeah. Curse fire. Yep. And uh, you can uncurse it, but it was not really clear how to do that until like, I feel like we were kind of too late. We like learned our lesson too late. Um, But the interesting thing is that you can make that fire, uh, whatever the inverse of curse would be like holy fire, basically, which will heal you and hurt other things that are bad. And this becomes like a super handy thing, but it was like a thing we figured out like too late in the game because there's really great puzzle near the end that makes you like cycle through some of these combos and i don't know like for as much as the game talked about them i wish it had reinforced them in some way to like make it seem like a more viable form of uh play yeah there's there's a lot of mechanics um that barely if ever get used and if they're supposed to be important like the game didn't really go out of its way to try and get you to use them at, at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, like making static cloud, making fire cloud, mm-hmm. um, making uh, holy fire, stuff like that. Like, it, you, you, I think once or twice in the game, we ended up making any of those uh, particular elements and they're not really even that super helpful. Um in a lot of the encounters, people just move out of them, you know, next turn. So they don't really do a whole lot of damage or cause a lasting status effect. Um, yeah, if, you know, and again, if if you're extremely tactical about it and like 
were able to coordinate all of your opponents into the same spot and have their armor down and you know two or three other uh dominoes that have to line up for those things to to be useful um it there just wasn't a lot of it mm-hmm. and it's the same with the uh the narrative you know that's something that i would try and help a little bit just giving clearer instruction um focusing on these types of elements that you want players to engage with more um keeping the i mean the rng in big quotes um fair like it's pretty obvious when you can eke out one move and two attacks and the computer is doing like two move and four attacks that you're not really on a level playing field yeah and that's on the quote-unquote normal difficulty yes normal (laughs) normal difficulty so normal so the the last little thing that I want to like pick at and then I'll I'm I feel like I've like talked it pretty good is that like um the ending to the game is also like a little bit uh mm, what's the word I'm looking for like it didn't feel like I didn't feel like I had scaled a mountain and gotten a really interesting like wrap up for myself I think we actually got the good ending which was um, you have several options essentially at the end of the game, because each one of the characters you play as could become the God Woken. So you have each of the characters has an option to take it. They also have the option to allow, uh, I forgot the guy's name in the, in the basement. Um, the previous God Woken who's been like, who pretended to be dead. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, I want to say Leoric, but that's not right. Oh God. I can't believe I'm blanking this guy's name. I only uninstalled this game like two weeks ago. (laughs) Um, Anyways, everyone's worships his (sighs) statues everywhere. Dang it. Anyways. Yeah. We'll, we'll remember as soon as we're done recording. Yeah. Anyways. So like you have the option to let him take your source and close the rift that between this world and the void woken And then you have an option to fight to keep your source, but still fight the Void Woken. Um, And in all four of these outcomes, and I think based on which player ends up being the quote unquote, like leader at the end, there's a different, there's a different story thing, but it's kind of like this animatic, like, uh, I don't want to call it like, cartoon but it's like an, a comic book kind of it's just these like sliding panels of how the story wraps up and we went with um we went with destroy source right um no I th- we went with keep source oh uh, we keep source we become god woken yeah you, where you literally become god woken so the loach becomes god woken Yep. And um, even though we beat the Void Woken and do all the things that we're supposed to do, um, there's st- like, it, it just wasn't like, it was the, <laughs> I'm not saying that things have to be happy, but it was just like, it was kind of like things were still a bummer at the end of the game. Yeah, there, you know, you, you work really hard and you're sold a bill of goods that by achieving, uh, ascension to being uh, god woken that you can fix things and mm-hmm. then you get to the they like it basically pulls a bait and switch on you at the very end they're like haha no actually uh you have to sacrifice all source i.e all magic in the world to seal this realm off from the void so that the void woken stop invading um, or you keep it and the void stays open and you basically are just like stuck in this endless battle between uh, mankind slash magic users mm-hmm. and the void. Um, and then if you have other characters, there's actually other options as well. I think if we had ascended Fane, um, he would have come through as uh, the God King, who's like another villainous character that's yeah. not necessarily the void but is also bad 
yeah he bad like that's a that's a dark ending also (laughs) yeah that's uh an issue so yeah it was kind of it was um it seemed really out of left field to me that the quote solution was to completely rob the world of magic um when the whole like crux of the game is basically like building up magic users as being this like persecuted class um and force for good and then they're just going yeah. like haha shiraj you are like ah oh, what yeah i mean it's like it's a good like i feel like it's like a good writing idea but then having put so much energy into it it doesn't feel satisfying at the end for that to be a legitimate option because you worked like you said you would just work so hard to be a good magic guy and you were told that being a good magic guy means that you'll be able to fix things so why would i why would i destroy it if that's my tool to like fix things so yeah it seemed like kind of a letdown and they build up the whole god woken thing um pretty soundly throughout uh throughout the game how like (laughs) you're you're basically in omnipotent you know you're you're becoming a divinity and yeah yeah like you're literally supposed to have the power to reshape reality and then once you get it the wrap-up of the story basically makes it sound like you just become like a more powerful wizard and then people are just like yay (laughs) like okay what happened to this omnipotent power over the you know the fabric of the universe itself i thought that's what that was the that's what we were gunning for here yeah so yeah hence hence why at the beginning we said i said try and you said try leaning to buy yeah uh, and a lot of that decision i think is one um it the the game is solid the narrative solid the world building solid the combat i thought was I, I like the system and the mechanics. I think that it needed more playtesting to kind of like balance and tweak um, the skills and the classes to make them more interesting slash viable um, in practicality. And um, it wasn't until the very end of the game that we even tried jumping into the mod community. And there's a ton of mods that are completely free that are on the steam community page that are quality of life um, class Mm -hmm. improvement um, extra content better items like all kinds of things that basically fix all of the problems that we're talking about and they're they were sitting right there the whole time yeah so some encouragement perhaps is if you're going to play the game play it modded and also honestly I really enjoyed playing it with the controller. Like the UI was pretty slick. If anything, that was one of my like favorite features is that it plays really good with a controller. Like if you're into that, do that. Yeah. The controller support was great. No complaints at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's all I got on Larian studios, divinity Two, supernatural edition. (laughs) It was a bit of a trial. Uh, but I think we, we, I, I don't know if it was just stubbornness or ignorance or a combination that kept us slogging through, uh, what was admittedly a, a, a pretty soul crushing, um, 90% of the game until we mm-hmm. decided to kick the difficulty the down mods on. and install some quality of life mods to, um, just kind of butter the rest of the gameplay through and yeah. that was i mean that was fine it, it wasn't a cakewalk but it wasn't no. crushing either yeah yeah and, and i think that's kind of i don't know at that point in the game i feel like you've kind of earned exactly that feeling not a cakewalk but not soul crushing <laughs> that feels yeah. fair yeah it, it felt a lot more fair a, a lot of the things that i found especially distasteful um, about the way the uh, the AI appears to be literally bending the rules um, in order to screw you, all that stuff started to dissolve. And like, as much as I was happy that I wasn't being spit in the eye of constantly, it it like really clicked together in my mind. Like 
the saliency of how the game really seemed to be bending its own rules in order to make it more difficult for you. Yeah. It's like you don't you don't need to do that. You know, you know, you don't need to give them ten action points instead of uh, six action points that everyone else starts with yeah. uh, to crank the difficulty up. You can just make them, you know, give them more health or whatever. Yeah, um, I'm fine with difficult games, but I also expect them to be fair, and I, I just don't not into it. I think that's a a, a poor way of executing um a difficulty hike like that definitely well hopefully hopefully they've adjusted some of that stuff in Baldur's Gate but it'll be a little while before i can <laughs> learn to love again yeah yeah and we'll definitely be checking out the mod community <laughs> before yeah, first <laughs> <laughs> so if you're going to play it might as well play it right the first time That's those right. mods thanks thanks for fixing the game mod community we really appreciate your support yeah, actually, a lot of the uh, if you do end up picking up this game or you have played it, um, a lot of the packages that they've been releasing. I know it's a four-year-old game, but they're still releasing content for it. Um, a lot of the mechanics in the Larian upgrade packages that they've been releasing over the last year or two are actually mods that were in the community, and mm-hmm. they just got popular enough that they adopted them in the game and pushed them out in an update. So you can turn on things like uh, constant sprinting. You basically sprint. Uh, you everywhere. can toggle sprint on and off so you can run everywhere, which makes the game a lot faster. Um, you can get uh, you get to share each other's perks if someone has the ability to speak to animals. Instead of having to switch to that character to talk to an animal, as long as they're in your party, everyone in your party can talk to animals. Mm-hmm. So like it just kind of usually handy breezes those things along. Uh, you share your bartering as well. So if you have one character with a really high bartering, you don't have to switch the, to them to do, to do all, all the shopping. Bartering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get it, the whole team, the essentially the party gets to reap the benefit of everybody's uh, perk strengths. Yeah, I know it sounds like a minor gripe. They're like, oh, yeah, it's it's such a pain to switch to a character to do it. It is kind of annoying. So Yeah, because then it's like, hey, can you buy me a new sword? That'd be really, that'd be really great. I, I just want one. Yeah, it, as a, again, like as a quality of life thing, yeah. it was nice. I liked, I liked that. It was nice. I think nice. some of those things might come from it being single player first and them adding multiplayer. Because I can imagine as a single player you you just switching to the character that has all the perks for that is very easy if you're the only one controlling but it, like because we each controlled two characters at first we would have to like split those responsibilities and and since those quality of life patches came out it like it makes it so that you're kind of functioning like one unit a little bit more which makes sense especially for co-op mm-hmm. but yeah. that's just a guess yeah, I mean the co-op stuff was was really well executed as well. Yeah. Um, party Agreed. management, uh, auto loading into your characters, uh, being able to divvy stuff up, share items, uh, share items out yeah. of each other's pockets in some instances. Really smooth. Very smooth. Good multiplayer. Good mechanics. Good c- controller integration. That's why I say, like, I th- I think our experience was uh, colored by the fact that. Um, the game was constantly kicking our ass. Uh, and if that weren't the case, I think it, it would have been a much, much more enjoyable experience just because it's a really yeah. solid game. It's made well. Yeah. It has storytelling. It has good mechanics. Um, I don't think we ran into any bugs or glitches. No. Like, at all. Yeah. In terms of like, just like, like literal software problems, zero, like we didn't like have a corrupt save file I'm looking at you, Bethesda. Or anything like that. Like everything was, it was pretty like from that, from a technology perspective, it was a very, um, very, very easy experience. We weren't constantly getting kicked off of our online session for no reason. And then unable to rejoin our online session for no reason. Borderlands yeah. three. <laughs> <laughs> yes. hundred percent agree. But yeah. Uh, so Solid, solid work. So if you're looking for a uh, 
a multiplayer RPG and you want to saddle up with two to four people and go through the uh, countryside of Rivalon, smashing the undead or otherwise, uh, I think this is probably a go for you. And if none of this sounds interesting, then I'm sorry. (laughs) Just avoid it. (laughs) Yeah, if you like uh, very... (laughs) heavy RPG elements um, and you like turn-based combat uh, and overall a well-executed platform with a broad range of difficulties that you are encouraged to explore. Um, I think it's a solid title. I'm looking forward to playing Baldur's Gate once um, I can work through the scarring with my therapist. All right. Well, thank you so much, dear listener, for making it to the end of this episode with us. Uh, we appreciate any feedback. Give us a shout, howdy at betweenplayers.com or drop us a line at Twitter. It's just at betweenplayers. And uh, yeah, uh, you got any uh, final notes for the for the folks? No, uh, I'm not on anything and you can't find me, so don't try. There you go. Sound advice. All right. Talk to y'all later. <laughs>